is a week in the Weege. Hello and welcome to Week in the Weege. I'm Colin Stone. And I'm Natalie Crawford. This week in the Weege, businesses in Glasgow are joining forces to demand organised begging and antisocial behaviour be driven out of the city centre. Meanwhile, Hamden secures its future as the home of Scottish football. And Scott Rail's on the right track with a new train station for Rob Royston. This is a Week in the Weege. So just another busy week for you then, Natalie. Just a little bit. Okay, well, you were given exclusive access. Let's crack on to the first ever Glasgow Action Group meeting. They're calling for a crackdown on antisocial behaviour in the city centre. Was it just me who thought the acronym GAG was uh, slightly appropriate for this? I mean, I suppose it depends what side of the story you're falling That's down on. very true. Okay, well, anyway, the Glasgow Action Group, they met, and they say it's having an effect on businesses and keeping people away. Tell me a bit more about this. Yeah, so basically it was the first meeting of this new group Today, it's been spearheaded by James Mortimer, who, if you don't know, he runs Regano and also 29 Royal Exchange Square. Oh, yeah. Um, big businessman in Glasgow. And also Kevin Maguire, who who owns Metropolitan Bar in the Merchant City. He did used to own the whole of the Merchant City, but he has since sold it off and now he owns Metropolitan okay. Bar. Um, basically, they say jobs will be lost and bars and restaurants could close if more isn't done to tackle what they say is an epidemic of drug use, aggressive begging and alcohol fueled problems in the city. I caught up with Kevin after the first meeting of this Glasgow Action Group. Let's hear what he had to say. Like most leisure businesses in Glasgow, specifically in the Merchant City, our business is concentrated largely into a weekend. Friday, Saturday is the big day, to a lesser degree, Sunday. And those that are begging in the streets and drug users and abusers use that time, being the busiest in terms of footfall, to, uh, if you like, beg and threaten. It therefore reduces turnover, and James alluded to it earlier, turnovers in the areas, central areas of Glasgow are down because people are not coming in and they're not coming in because they don't feel safe. And let, let's be clear, we're not targeting genuinely homeless people here, are we? Genuinely homeless people need help, not more abuse. But it, it wouldn't take an Einstein to work out the one that's begging and the one that has a business of begging. And, and the gentlemen here from the council already know that. Problem is what to do about it. What powers do the police have? Or do they have the resources, even if they have their powers? And I suspect it's somewhere in the middle. So that's Kevin Maguire there. Now, from what he's saying, he's making the distinction between people who are actually homeless yep. and the people who, as he say, are in the business of begging. And I think, you know, I'll speak for probably everybody who's been in Glasgow City Centre recently, there is very much distinction. You can tell Absolutely, that this yeah. is ongoing. Right, so let's start then with that term, aggressive begging. Is is that when he when he's talking about you know the profession or the business of begging? Does he mean this? And what does that mean? Yeah. So obviously it goes without saying that the issue of homelessness in Glasgow is massive and it's really really complex as well. I personally have done a lot of investigations into it last year. I slept rough for myself, and this year looking into this more kind of complex issue and trying to distinguish between the genuinely homeless person and the aggressive beggar so uh-huh. charities and the police both admit they're aware of gangs in Glasgow who are not actually homeless and exploit the generosity of people who wish to give to others to make a quick buck you've seen it for yourself you know 
they're not living out of sleeping bags. They're not carrying their belongings about in their back around the city centre. They're well-dressed. They're carrying token blankets. They're on mobile phones. They're communicating with each other and it is a begging ring. Okay, well, you were meeting with the businesses today. They all met the uh, Glasgow Action Group. Did they have any sort of resolution in terms of what to do? Well, it's very, very complex and it's kind of up to the local authority and it's up to the police to really work together to try and tackle this. Uh, But one of the overriding feelings today is that it is driving people away from the city centre. And we've heard of an experience of that. John Pickford, he was here during a visit to the city. He felt intimidated and threatened. And let's just hear what he had to say. Look, I'm one of the first to put my hands in my pockets and dig out any loose change for anyone unfortunate enough to be sleeping out on the streets, but I felt really threatened by one guy who was demanding that I paid him after I just took a picture in the city centre, and I was even more horrified to see guys with mobile phones organising where these men and women should sit to get the best chance of getting money from tourists like me. So that's not great to hear. That's a tourist's experience of Glasgow during the 2018 European Championships. But it's not just tourists that are being affected by this. Today I spoke to Amy Cox, who is the manager at Regano and Royal Exchange Square, and she told me she's actually scared to go to her work sometimes. I've had to deal with four different life incidents. I mean, I work in a restaurant. I don't need to be dealing with all this kind of added stuff as well. Um... Yeah, there's needles I've seen. I don't know, I've lost track now how many people have overdosed now in front of the work. Um, We've had them coming into our terrace area and taking handbags and things off the tables. Um, It's it's hard for one person to be there constantly. It's, It's, can't avoid it anymore. I've been verbally abused. I've had someone try to hit me. Um, Other members of the staff have had to get involved. Um, The person, the, the... slashed his throat outside the yes bar a couple of months ago. He was in our work, first of all, trying to get into the toilets and I had to tell him no. Okay, well, that sounds like a, a pretty serious list of problems that they're suffering there. Absolutely. And you're right. Like, this is something which people, and certainly myself, have noticed in the city centre and it has been kind of building for a little while. My, re- my kind of question to you then, because, yeah, this story has been something that you've been covering. What are the police saying about it? Because, yeah, clearly they're aware that there are people who are begging you aren't actually homeless what can they do about it what are they saying about this so that's exactly what they have said they are aware that there are people in the city center who beg professionally but begging is not illegal unless it becomes aggressive and unless the police see it happen with their own eyes they can't step in and do anything because no nobody's gonna report it to the police and even if they do these people live chaotic lifestyles what are the chances of them being able to go back and actually find the person okay point taken Mm -hmm. you've just said the police can't really do anything unless they see it so what in practical terms can they do to improve what is a kind of yeah it can be quite a daunting experience not a very pleasant experience in the city center at weekends so what the businesses would like to see is more policing activity in the city centre, a bigger police presence. And one of the issues that was raised today was over resources and whether during things like football games, old firms, etc. The police are taken away from the city centre and, you know, they're at Ibrox or they're at Celtic Park or they're wherever in the city and they just the police just don't have the resource to deal with this. So this is one of the big concerns that came out of this meeting today and something that I believe the businesses will be taking back to Police Scotland. Um, As for the local authority, they've said, you know, they're doing what they can to 
tackle homelessness in the city centre but they're also really keen to make this distinction between the people who are genuinely homeless and need help and people who actually want to sit in doorsteps and beg and quite often these people do have homes to go to they are perhaps on benefits but they also see it as a profitable way of making money i think one of the figures that was bandied about today is about 400 pounds a day this is a week in the week so on to another divisive topic and the choice between hamden or murrayfield glasgow versus edinburgh east versus west and the better city versus the city nobody really likes except <laughs> tourists now, i'm really surprised to hear you say that because you were pro murrayfield right okay well let's just before we get into this you, a decision has been made to, to get the end of this the scottish fa after months of debate discussion uh, have finally decided to choose hamden over murrayfield yep. uh, let's hear briefly before we discuss this uh, from Chief Executive Ian Maxwell about the SFA's decision. It was incredibly close. I, you know, I, I've sat in board meetings that got heated. Uh, you know, it was close. It was very hotly debated. As I said, the SRU put forward a very compelling case. I would have really enjoyed going to work with them at Murrayfield. I think it would have, we would have done well there, and I think we would have learned a lot from them as an organisation. I think, as I said, ownership is the game changer. You know, that's something that. You know, owning our own stadium and being able to utilise that 24-7 as much as we possibly can gives us a real opportunity to make changes. Okay, so Ian Maxwell there. Both of us were heavily involved in this story. First of all, what is your reaction? Right, so Ian Maxwell's talking about the fact that it's all about ownership. And yes, the Scottish FA are now going to pay £5 million to buy Hamden outright from Queen's Park. They've been leasing it for the last forever. Uh, and they've got the money from the likes of Lord Willie Hockey and Sir Tom Hunter, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. We'll get to that. But the thing is, he mentioned it there. He said if they went to Murrayfield, they would have done well, they would have learned things. And yes, I'll go back to the, the point I was consistently making. Murrayfield would have been the better choice. This, in my mind, okay, sure, they may have bought the decision, they may have bought the ground and that's all well and good. And yes, the history was there. But it was just the wrong choice because Murrayfield is a better stadium and has better accessibility, better transport links, a better atmosphere, and it was the better of the two. And I am frustrated that Hamden has been the one they've gone to. And feel free to disagree. I do disagree. Why? Obviously, we've we've spoken about this at length on several occasions, and we both agreed it boiled down to an argument over passion or practicality. But at the end of the day... Hamden is the home of Scottish football. It doesn't it matter. Just is. It doesn't like that. If it's coming down to sentimentality, then we should revert to everything that used to be old fashioned. Be like, oh, let's bring back the shilling. It was great back in the day. You know, just because you used it before and just because it used to have a purpose doesn't mean you should still use it. <laughs> Times change. And okay, Hamden may have been a fine stadium in the past. I'm sure, you know, the Champions League final in 2002. Other, but you know, it always has the showpiece events. That's fair enough, but it has served its purpose. It was great for the Commonwealth Games because it had the running track and all that. And that was perfect. Right now, though, it's in serious need of redevelopment. And unless, and I don't know when this would even start. I mean, do they have to wait till 2020 to do that? I think there were so many more positive points for Murrayfield that, I am disappointed. I'd say this is a missed opportunity, frankly. I would disagree because obviously if the SFA had moved to Murrayfield, they would be sharing their stadium with Rugby Park. Staying at Hamden gives them the opportunity to, A, in 2020, buy the stadium off of Queen's Park and do whatever the heck they want with it. They don't have to think about 
you know, their roommates. You know, it's like you and your flat, you know, you want to move the furniture about, you need to consult your roommate. Okay. They're not going to have to do that. They're going to be able to do whatever they want in it. It's going to hopefully, assuming, and we know that there's investment there and we know that there's people willing to put money into Hamden, that they're able to redevelop it and it really become this great place for Scottish football. Okay, so yeah, so just to go back to that point, they bought, they're, or they're buying the ground off Queen's Park for five million. That money's come from a couple of wealthy benefactors and a few others who probably will never get planning permission in Glasgow turned down again after this. Uh, oh, that's, that's a bit cynical, Colin. <laughs> it's not at all. In my mind though, and Ian Maxwell did touch on this, he didn't play the clip there, but he talked about the Stuttgart Stadium in Germany, which I think is a very interesting case if you do have time uh, go online later and have a look basically they had the same situation in which the ground was so big and had a running track around it that any atmosphere was lost and that's always been the criticism of Hamden that you're so far away from the goals if you're in the back row you basically you, know, you could do better with a pair of binoculars to see the action if you look at what Stuttgart did they spent a decent amount of money and they brought in they essentially demolished that end of the stadium and they brought the the seats in so it was right on top of the the goal line, or the the goals even, and it just improved it immensely. And I know it's not going to be cheap, but that, in my mind, is the only way they can salvage this because they just leave it the way it is. I mean, Scotland played Albania on Monday; seventeen thousand people were there. That's just over a quarter full. I mean, obviously, we've both listened to the full press conference that Ian Maxwell delivered, and I would assume from what he had to say there that they have no intention of just leaving Hamden the way it is post yeah. twenty twenty. So I think we really need to give them the opportunity now to go ahead and make those renovations and you know bring the seats closer to the the pitch and, and just it really is a game of wait and see. I think the intention is there. Okay, well, just to round this up, they also then, if they're going to redevelop Hamden, they need to do better with the transport. Mount Florida is a total nightmare when you're trying to leave. A big game like against England, say, 50,000, 60,000 people all leaving a stadium at the same time. Mount Florida is tiny and is just not fit for purpose. If Hamden gets redeveloped, the whole area needs redeveloped. It's a week in the weege. Glasgow in the West is to have its 60th railway station. This week, construction work got underway for a brand new one at Rob Royston. Before we talk a little bit more about that, though, whether ScotRail is on the right track here, here's Cabinet Secretary for Transport, Michael Matheson. Well, we're really keen to make sure we're trying to connect as many of our communities as possible. And with the developments that are going to be taking place within the Rob Royston area, uh, this provides us with a unique opportunity to provide greater connectivity both to Glasgow and to Edinburgh. Uh, And this new train station will help to support that. And that's why it's an important development in making sure that we see greater economic development within the Rob Royston area as a whole. And what's the rough timetable for this? So construction work will start in the course of the next couple of months and that will be completed over the course of 2019 and we expect to have a train station running and operating by the end of 2019. So that will provide greater connectivity to this area and it will make sure that people get better access to the train services going into Glasgow and into Edinburgh. So Colin, you went down there. What's your thoughts on this? Well, as the Cabinet Secretary said there, it's giving people in Rob Royston the chance to go yeah, directly to Glasgow and Edinburgh, which they never had before. It's a stop, it's gonna be a stop on the Cumbernauld line. So it's not gonna be the this is gonna call at Falkirk and Pullman and um, let's go. <laughs> it's now gonna be the one which is kind of Springburn, Cumbernauld, uh, I think maybe it goes to Alloa. I'm not entirely sure. I've never can't say I've ever been on that train in my life. My issue, though... Maybe we should do that. Let's, let's take do a that. Okay, a week in the wee jouting. Sure, why not? Uh, my issue, though, is this is... Okay, all well and good. I'm all for improving connectivity. But the entire station is predicated on 
new houses, which haven't even been built yet. It's an area of essentially wasteland, which is next to the line. And I'm all for ScotRail being like, yeah, let's great. Let's get some more people in. I don't think anyone's really been calling for this. Like, I think the people in Rob Royston have coped just fine beforehand. You know, they could just go to the next nearest one in Bayliston or Easter House or whichever one is nearer. And I just think, okay, great. Like, well done. Spending a lot of money. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be, I'm sure it'll be nice and shiny when it's finished. But in the meantime, it's going to cause delays and, you know, you can't, you can't build a railway station and just expect everything else to continue as normal. And I know they're going to put in different methods. They're going to try and, you know, re- reduce disruption as much as possible. But, oh, I don't know. It just seems like another kind of... I mean, you've got the fast electric trains now. Can't you just rob voice and people just go to Croy and jump on there? But it's fine. It's fine. It's It'll be great. And I'm sure the people of Rob Royston, when they eventually get there, will have a great time. <laughs> Our week in the week. Well, that almost brings us to the end of the show. But before we go, it's time to find out how good our Glasgow geography is yes. as we play Where in the Weed. Yes, every week one of us will take a turn to guess what part of Glasgow in the West the other one is talking about based no. on three clues. If we get it right on the first clue, it's three points. Second clue, it's two, which is what I did on our uh, maiden voyage last week. <laughs> and third clue, you get one point. So there's going to be a running tally and it's now Natalie's turn. In the hot seat. How are you feeling? Not great, okay? <laughs> but I'm going to do what I do best and turn your measly two points into three okay. for me. Right, well, let's go for clue number one. Where are we? Glasgow in the West. Your first clue, going on the theme of what I just talked about, this area of Glasgow in the West is also a train stop. It could literally be anywhere. <laughs> exactly, which is why I chose it. It's the first one. That's on. so vague. Give us a the clue. clue I, no, this is not fair. The clue I gave you last week was so spot on. There are no set frameworks oh, here for clues. I can be as vague as I like. some rules. Okay, Easter House. Incorrect. Clue two for two points. A ferry also operates from here. Gurok. Incorrect. Clue number three for one point. Clyde Bank is to its west. Drum Chapel is to his north and Renfrew is to the south. Where are we? Clyde Bank. Incorrect. I just said Clyde Bank's to the west. Oh, Come no. on. Right, okay, for no, zero points. I was thinking Renfrew and I'm like, it can't be Renfrew because Renfrew for doesn't s- have a train station. For zero points. Come on, where are we? Clyde Bank to the west, Drum Chapel north. Hopefully people are screaming the answer at this point. Renfrew to the south. I don't know. Govan? I don't know. I really don't know. I my geography Govin. knowledge is rubbish. Okay, do you want the, the answer? Uh-huh. I'll give you a, clue number four. Um, it's from the Scots Gaelic, Yocher. Oh no! Which means something about a river. <sighs> do, you, do you want to reveal the answer to us for a total of minus one point? No, I don't. It's Yocher, Natalie. It's Yocher. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Oh, I'm so embarrassed. So, yeah, that's a, a grand total of diddly squat yeah, for you. I told you I was going to be terrible at this. Do you know this competition? I'm just going to steamroll this. I'm sorry. But I know, I, I know. You have to up your clues, make them to, more vague. Someone needs to send me a map of Glasgow in the West, <laughs> ASAP. I'm going to study it. A Week in the Wage is a Radio Clyde News production. For the latest around the clock, follow on Twitter at Radio Clyde News. Well, that brings us to the end of today's Week in the Weech. Join us again next time for more on the biggest stories across Glasgow and the West. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, subscribe on iTunes, and we'll see you next week on A Week in the Weech.